You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Good morning, Journey. How are we doing? Come on. It's good to see y'all. Good, good to be with everybody, and my name is Dustin Agard. I'm one of the pastors here at Journey. If this is your first time with us, I just want you to know we're honored that you're here. We don't take that lightly, and, and as a guest, we just want you to know that we, you've already been prayed for. We're praying for every single person that comes, listening online, uh, Lake County, that God would do something fresh and new in you and in your family. And so we, you've already been prayed for, and we're excited to see what God has in store. Amen, church? Hey, I want to welcome everybody online as well as Lake County. It is a good day to have a good day. We are concluding this series called Clutch. Who are you when it matters most? And we've been studying and walking through the life of David in the Bible, King David. And, and as we're watching this unfold, there are different truths that we've been kind of parallel, paralleling our lives with. And today's message, today's title is How to Assist Others to come through in the clutch. Not only are we supposed to be clutch, but we're supposed to help others come through in the clutch as well. I remember this came uh, to my, really my attention at a young age. I remember I was maybe 10, 11, 12 years old and one of my best friends, I would go to his house all the time and we just play all kinds of things. But the main thing we ended up finding ourselves is in the driveway playing basketball. Now, one of my, my buddies, he had a brother and his dad would come out and play. So we would often play two on two. And, and I don't remember every game, but this is my memory. The only memory I have, and it's a, it's a consistent memory that I have over and over and over again. I mean, different times, the same thing would take place. I remember being on my buddy's dad's team because we had to play two on two. It would be me and him, his dad, against my buddy and his brother. And we would play two on two. And I remember just every single time we would play, my, my buddy's dad would never shoot the ball. He would never try to score. Instead, every single time he would hold the ball at the top and, and he would say, Dustin, cut. And then he'd pass to me the ball so I could make a layup. Or he'd dribble in, set a pick, and then he'd toss it to me to shoot a three. And he said, shoot a three. And I said, I don't shoot threes. He said, shoot the three. I said, I don't shoot threes. And then I shot it and completely missed everything. I said, that's why I don't shoot threes. And then a little bit later on in the game, he does the same thing, sets another pick, and he tosses me a ball again as if he didn't even see the first time I airballed it. <laughs> and he did that over and over again. And I didn't realize, you see, I thought I was going over to their house every single time to play basketball, but my friend's dad wasn't playing basketball. He was playing a different game. Every single time we played, now that I'm realizing I'm an adult, he could have destroyed us. He was athletic, he was great, but his goal wasn't to win the game. His goal was to win my heart. His goal was to form a young man into believing that he can make the game-winning shot at a young age. And here I am remembering that detail. Why? Because somebody made it a point to help other people, me, come through in the clutch. That's what we're called to do as believers. We're not called to make every shot. We're not called to shoot every shot. A lot of times we're called to set a pick and then hand it off to somebody else. A lot of times we're called to say, hey, hey, take, take a, a, you know, a back cut and then assist others to come through in the clutch. And that's what we see in the life of David. 
We've been studying life of David. Last week, we talked about David and Bathsheba, how David had major sin, major mistake, but yet God forgave him. And here's what we, we unpack and we learn. And I'm just gonna fast forward this. God forgives us. You need to understand that God forgives us of our sin, but that doesn't mean our sin never has consequences. Our sin does, and that's the sad reality. It does oftentimes, if not every time, have some form of consequence. And in the life of David, there was consequences to his sin, a lot of different consequences, but one that we're gonna unpack a little bit in the beginning of today's reading. Today, we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse seven and eight. David has a son named Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Solomon. All right, just making sure you're awake. All right, here we go. He says, David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God, but this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Understand what's happening here. David has this vision and this is a good vision. Like there's nothing wrong with the vision. The vision is I wanna build uh, God's church. He's like, man, I wanna build a church. See, at that time, there weren't churches all around. There was the, the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where God's presence, and he said, man, I have a, a, a nice house. I wanna build a nice house for God. And God says, no. Let me ask you, how do you respond when God tells your dream and vision no? You see, David didn't pout. He didn't put together a pity party. He didn't argue. He didn't ignore. He didn't complain. Instead, he utilized all his energy and resources to assist someone else to come through in the clutch. In this case, it was Solomon. Let's keep reading. Verse five, David said, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificent and fame and splendor in the sight of the nations. Meaning the church should be excellent back then and today, amen? amen. Therefore, I'll make preparations for it. He keeps going, verse three and four. He, David, provided a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the gateways for the fittings. And more bronze than could be weighed, he also provided more cedar logs than could be counted. So he's bringing so many resources, they can't even weigh it all or they can't even count it all. And then it keeps going. I've taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold. And just briefly there, he says, great gains. I, I've sacrificed a lot. And then he lists some of the things. 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed in wood and stone. And you may add to them. You, may, you, you have many workers, stonecutters, masons, and carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work and the Lord be with you. Uh, there's so many takeaways from this, but when I read this, the main takeaway that I see is when we help others come through in the clutch, it takes sacrifice. We can't help other people come through in the clutch. We can't serve others without sacrificing. My, my buddy in the driveway, he sacrificed his ego. He could easily dominate it, in, but he sacrificed himself. He's like, I'm not here to be the hero. I'm not here to prove anything. Sacrifice his time to play with us. David has sacrificed so many resources, so many that they couldn't even count a lot of them. All so someone else can score the goal. This reminds me of a play I saw in the NFL a couple weeks ago, and some of y'all are like, oh, here we go. He's gonna show a Miami Dolphin clip. No, listen, I'm not gonna show, listen, I'm not gonna show a Dolphin clip. I know we just scored 70 points last week, broke lots of records. That's not, 
I'm just saying, that's not what I'm doing. This is for the Lord and I'm not trying to talk about all that. And you know, I'm just trying to stick to, to the word of God. And you know, a couple weeks ago, there was a video clip that went viral of one of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Travis Etienne. And in this clip, you're gonna notice he's not the one with the ball. Check this out. Lawrence fires and it's caught by Ridley. And he's still going. Calvin Ridley down the sideline and he was finally ruled out of bounds. It was quick. You may have missed it. You see, Travis didn't have the ball. Somebody else caught the ball, the wide receiver Ridley. And when somebody catches the ball that's ahead of you, what most people do in football is they, they, they can't catch up to them, especially wide receivers, they're too fast. So they just wait till the play's over. So they stand back and they watch it. What Travis did is he didn't stand back and watch. He took off sprinting and he sprinted and caught up with the guy and then threw a block on the guy so that his teammate could move the ball down the field and eventually get a touchdown. That is a picture of the church. Our job is to run ahead of the community, to run ahead of our neighbor, to run ahead of our friends and family and to throw a block so that they might be able to score a touchdown later on in life. That's our job. But here's the deal. In sports, stats are everything. I mean, stats mean so much. That's how they judge everything. He didn't rack up one stat with that play, not one. He sat, to, to make that play, it sacrificed. It sacrificed his, his uh, stamina, he had to come out of the game the next play. It may have sacrificed his body because he could have got hurt, which would have sacrificed millions of dollars. Like he sacrificed and got nothing so that his team can move the ball down the field. And that is what the church is called to do. Amen? Amen. I remember I used to, uh, I was a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. And in Atlanta, I ended up meeting a guy by the name of, of Patrick. As a matter of fact, here's a picture of Patrick and I. And what I, I didn't know at first is uh, Patrick actually played for the Atlanta Falcons. This is his jersey um, I ended up getting. He ended up telling me there's only two jerseys uh, that's ever sold, this one and his mom bought one. And so, um, <laughs> and this is Patrick playing for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And Patrick would bring Falcon players to, to the church and ended up having a great year for the Falcons and uh, ended up making the the Pro Bowl team, which is like the all-star game. And he ended up going and, and playing for the Buffalo Bills. But before he played in the NFL, he played for Steve Spurrier at University of South Carolina. And some of you, he looks a little bit familiar because before he was at University of South Carolina, Patrick DeMarco played for Lake Brantley High School. Hometown hero. Yeah, you can give it up for, for a hometown hero. Patrick actually gave me this football. It says, it says Falcons is one of the practice footballs. He gave this to me. Even off the field, he was sacrificing. Here's the thing that I loved, and he and I were talking, and, and I realized there's a parallel with Patrick's NFL career and the Christian walk. You see, Patrick played fullback. And you're like, I have no idea what that means, and I don't care, Pastor. Uh, let me explain. Okay, there's a couple positions in the NFL. One is the quarterback. The quarterback is the one that gets the ball and throws the ball. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like, is he about to throw the football at me? Listen, this is how we keep you awake. I dare you to fall asleep. I dare you. There we go. Come on. He was dozing off, okay? He was dozing off. You, 
I dare you, church. I dare you. Some of y'all in Lake County are like, well, there's no football here. Pastor Russell has a football. You fall asleep in Lake County, you're going to get hit. All right, here we go. So there's the quarterback. He has the football and he throws the football. Then there's the running back. The running back is the person. The quarterback takes the football and he gives it to the running back. The running back gets it and he runs. However, when you are the running back and you try to run, there's a big problem. There's 11 other guys that are really, really, really big and they're trying to kill you. (laughs) And so the running back cannot run unless you have a fullback. You see, the fullback's position is he doesn't touch the football. The fullback runs in front of the running back and his only job is to run and bulldoze people out of the way, is to block people and clear a path for the, the running back to follow him. The, the fullback is one of the, the least glamorous positions in the NFL. Matter of fact, not every team even has one. It, it's not a well-known thing and it's very, very costly. You cannot have an ego and play the fullback. It's impossible because you don't get the ball. You don't ever have any place uh, run for you. And you sacrifice your body so bad. I was talking to Patrick uh, several years ago and he just said, man, his body's taking a toll. People that play fullback don't have long careers. His shoulder was banged up from blocking. I mean, there is a sacrifice to being a fullback. Church, there is a sacrifice when you and I begin to serve people so that other people can score a touchdown or move the ball forward. It's not convenient. It's not easy or else everybody would do it. It takes a sacrifice. Well, what does is, what is scoring a touchdown in the church look like? Scoring a touchdown is, is really simple in the church. It's when we get to see or be a part of somebody going from death to life. That's the end zone right there. And here's the thing. God doesn't need us to make it happen, but he invites us into it. And man, what a gift. God doesn't need us, but he says, hey, I'm in the middle of doing something special and I invite you to the table. And listen, when you get to be a part of what God's doing, You'll never stop doing it. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And so I begin to see these parallels with Patrick. And as a matter of fact, Patrick was telling me one time, he said, he said, Dustin, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but you have what it takes to play in the NFL. Do you know that? And I said, you know, I actually do hear that a lot. And um, I said, yeah, I get that a lot. I said, but I was looking at the schedule. Most of the games are on Sundays. And, and I just... Journey, I just want you to know again that I'm committed to you. I said no to the NFL. Last week I told you I said no to pro baseball. This week I'm telling you I'm saying no to the NFL. That's my commitment level to you. Some of you that don't know me, you're like, is he being serious? No, I am, I am not being serious. I am so bad at football. I can't, no, no. We just like to have fun. Today we're, help, we're talking about how to help others come through in the clutch. David did it. Jesus did it, and then Jesus commanded it. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. Jesus called them, meaning the disciples together, and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know what we call here at Journey, a group of fullbacks, a group of selfless people that want to serve, we call them the dream team. Some of you are like, are you talking about the 1992 Olympic basketball team, this dream team? Some of you are like, is that what you're talking about? This is arguably, I don't even think arguably, this is 
the greatest team ever assembled on a basketball court. In the 1992 Olympics, they won by an average score against the world of 44 points. The closest they ever came to losing was in the gold medal game where they won 117 to 85. Listen, this is a great team. This team has nothing on Journey's dream team. You see, you see, if they win, they get a gold medal. But if we win, we help people go from death to life. And there's no touching that, amen? Here's the definition of the dream team. A team that helps connect people and their gifts to an opportunity to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And Journey has a lot of fullbacks. I wanna introduce you to some of the fullbacks on, on Journey's dream team. First one is this, this is Chuck Shegda. Chuck has been serving in our Food for Life ministry for years. Yeah, you can give it up for Chuck. Years and years and years. I, I think even decades. I mean, he's been serving. Some of you are like, what is Food for Life? I don't even know about it. That's how awesome it is. We have so many ministries doing incredible work. Most people don't even know about it. Once a month, we have a team that comes around and, and serves food to people. People, almost on average, 100 families come here on a Saturday morning, and we don't just give them physical food. We give them spiritual food. We give them all kinds of other resources. We pray for them. We encourage them and send them on their way with groceries. And this is one of the things, and he's been doing it for years, loves it. He's got a great team. They do a great job. But Chuck, Chuck is a, and, I, and he told me I could share this, he is a seasoned leader that has incredible health challenges. And he and I have been talking. He's like, Dustin, we need, we need a team from the next generation to make sure that this ministry keeps going generation after generation after generation. And so maybe you're thinking today, maybe you want to be on the Food for Life team, like Chuck. Maybe you're like Cheryl Alomar. She has been serving. Maybe you recognize her. She's got a smile. Big as mine. that awesome? And she's, she's been one of our greeters and she just greets people, loves people, welcomes people. She's been doing that every single week as long as I can remember until today. You see, last week was her last Sunday. She moved back home to New York City. And some of y'all are like, oh, so you need someone to fill her role? No, she was a rock star. We need 10 people to fill her role. <laughs> so maybe you want to be on our greeting team like Cheryl. Maybe there's another fullback, Lauren Metz. This is Lauren right here, right here, Lauren serves in our local FCA, which stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and FCA goes around and serves teachers, coaches, and uh, students, and athletes right here in Central Florida. Uh, Lauren serves specifically our area uh, around our Apopka campus. She serves a lot of those high schools, and Lauren's just a missionary right here locally, just doing good. Matter of fact, she says she's praying for 10 more mentors specifically to come alongside her at Wakaiva High School, and so maybe God's calling you to start serving at Wakaiva High School to come alongside uh, another fullback like Lauren, and, and maybe God's tugging on your heart there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're a little bit more like Scott Carter. This is Scott. Scott's in his young 70s, okay, and over the past six months, he's been navigating not only a call, but a process to be a missionary in Wales. Some of you are like, say what? Yeah, he, he's, he's in the process of saying, listen, I'm just, God's, God's given me a call and I'm just supposed to be obedient. And I love that. And then there's another one. There's a girl named Callie Joy. Oh boy. 
Kyla Joy is my daughter. And uh, yes. Kyla Joy um, has felt a call to be a, a missionary in Australia. And so we got to sit down and share a little bit of her story. So check this out. Hello, Journey. Today, I want to introduce you to my daughter, Callie Joy Agard. We're going to unpack a little bit about what God's been doing in her and through her. And uh, before we get to that, Callie Joy, just in front of the entire world, um, between your mom and myself, who is your favorite parent? My mom, hands down. Okay, we're going we're gonna to edit that. Okay. All right. Um, now, Callie, you have a big adventure ahead of you. God's called you to something big. Why don't you share with everybody what God's called you to? Yeah, I am so excited because I am actually going to Australia, and I'm going to be working with a mission organization called YWAM, mm. also known as Youth with a Mission, and they are one of the biggest mission organizations in the world. Yeah, it's awesome. And so you're going all the way to Australia. You're going to be doing missions. You're going to be a missionary for the next six months. You can do a lot of things in, in Australia for ministry. Why missions? What, what attracted you to missions? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, what really attracted me to missions was I was asking the question every high schooler asks, what am I going to do next? And as I have just graduated this past May, I was praying that this entire year, what is my next? Mm. And as I was praying that, the Lord really just put a verse on my heart, which is Acts 1-8, which is, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that last phrase, to the ends of the earth, kind of struck me a little bit more than all the other parts of the verse or all the other verses that I had read. And I felt convicted and that I needed really just to do something about it. So the Lord stirred something in me, and I began pursuing a path of missions so I could tell the entire earth or whoever about Jesus. I love it. Yeah, to the ends of the earth. Uh, Australia is to the ends of the earth from Orlando. And uh, as a pastor, I'm so proud. As a dad, you pray for me, church. And so um, we are so proud of you and excited for you and to be able to go do missions. We have a lot of people that are excited for you. But the truth is, if all the Christians in America moved to Australia to do missions, nobody would be left here to tell people about Jesus. So not everybody's called to Australia, but a lot of all of us are called to something. Yeah. We're called to a ball field, to an office, to a neighborhood. We're called to something. H how can you encourage us right where God has called us to be the missionary God's called us to be? Yeah, I love that question so much. I believe the term missionary is for every Christian. I believe you mm -hmm. can be a missionary at your school, in your workplace, um, dropping the kids off. I really believe everybody is called to be a missionary. And I believe that because another one of my favorite verses is Matthew 5, 16, which just talks about this light that every Christian has. Mm. And so as a Christian, I believe we all have this light that we get to share with such a dark world. And we can do that by telling people about Jesus's love or even just opening our home to our neighbors to have them over for dinner or even just a smile. You never know how much a smile is going to bless a stranger, how much it can change their day. It's good. And Jesus says that he came 
to serve others, not to be served. And missions and serving go hand in hand. Ministry and serving go hand in hand. Evangelism and serving go hand in hand. And and what we are called to do, all of us, is to follow the way of Jesus. And that is uh, to be servants and to serve, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in Lake County, whether it's in Central Florida, whether it's in New Smyrna, we are called to serve. And so you've served already here. You've served uh, in Journey Students, which is our student ministry. You've served in Journey Kids, which is our children's ministry. How has serving actually impacted you? Yeah, um, it's so funny because you think when you serve that you're doing something for somebody, when in reality it's doing Mm. something for you. Serving has always just filled my cup up more than I can imagine because the more I'm teaching kids, the more I'm telling Mm. people about Jesus, the more I understand Jesus, the more I understand his love. And so my my love for missions, my love for what I want to do really began when I served because I was able to show kids, I was able to show students the love of Jesus. And that ultimately made me want to share it with now everybody or wherever I end up going. So it really started from a place of just hunger and wanting to do more. And the Lord opened that door for me to serve. I love it. I love it. You got a lot of people out there, they're like, man, you're 18 years old. You're going to a massive continent that you literally don't know a single person on the entire continent. And they're like, man, she is crazy. And um, the the biblical word for, for crazy is actually just faithful. And, and God has given you such great faith to do what he's called you to do. And there's so many other people that God is calling us to do something but sometimes we lack the faith to do what he's called us to do. Can you just talk about where do you get that, that sor- source of courage and, and faith to, to go all the way to the ends of the earth? My source um, of faith, my source of boldness, or my source of crazy um, <laughs> would ultimately just be from the word of God. I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that has helped me navigate what I want to do in the future, what I want to do with my day is just sitting and reading the Bible, just sitting and praying before I talk to anybody, before I speak to anybody. I just need to pray. I just need to read God's word because I know it's not in my strength that I'm bold. I know it's not in my strength that I'm telling people about his love, but it's only from his word and his love. Yeah. And as your dad, I get to see you every single morning and you just every day, every single day, she's just faithfully in the word, praying, prayer journal and, uh, there's no doubt that that consistently over years um, has led to the woman of God that you are today. And so I'm just so proud of you and grateful for you. I know a lot of people out there would love to be able to pray for you. How can we pray for you as, as you head out? Yeah, some ways that you can be praying for me is that the Lord just works through me and in the different communities I'm in. But also just be praying that I can just be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever I am um, in Australia, in the airports, wherever I am, mm. that I can just be serving people and loving on people. I love it. That's awesome. Well, Callie Joy, um, you have encouraged us. You've inspired us. And um, we're, not, um, we're not all going to go to Australia, but we are all going to go somewhere. And that's what Matthew 28 talks about is we're called to go somewhere yeah. for the name and the fame of Jesus. And so you're going to Australia. The next question is, where are you going? Yeah, cool. She, she'd be mad, but I just want to um, honor Callie Joy. Uh, I know you don't like attention, but we're called to honor, and we just want you to know as a church, you, you don't, you're not going 
to Australia, we're sending you to Australia. And there's a difference, church. People don't leave church. Let, let's be a sending church. We, we sent Cheryl to New York. We're sending Scott to Wales. We're sending Callie to Australia. You know, one of our pillars is to develop leaders for ministry, and I'm so grateful for our next-gen ministry. The, the reason that Callie Joy is where she is at is because she has been developed for ministry. That's what Jesus did. He gathered the disciples. The, goal, the end goal for Jesus wasn't a Bible study. The end goal was to change the world. Do you understand that? Like we come together for a Bible study. We come together for service. We come together for life groups only to be sent. We are sent people to go love and serve in the name and the fame of Jesus and hoping to help people go from death to life, hoping to move the ball down the field. You don't have to serve everyone everywhere, but you should serve someone somewhere. And Kyla, we just want you to know we love you proud of you and excited for you and uh, uh, not, not too far from right now this afternoon we're going to get on a plane and we're going to head to Australia and so you could be praying for us. When you came in you, you would have uh, maybe received this little card at Lake County and Apopka and it says uh, Journey Dream Team and what we have in Lake County and Apopka is we have in our, in our atrium we have just a, kind of like a serve expo a lot of different ways that you can serve. There's all kinds of different ways you can serve inside, outside the church. Uh, We believe one of the greatest ways is through the local church. And so we want to introduce you to a variety of different ways that you can serve in the church at both campuses. Also online, there's a link that you can get more information on how you can serve online as well. And I just want to walk you through some of these opportunities. And and there's a QR code on this that you could scan. And you're like, what's a QR code? Uh, Don't worry about that. Just go in the lobby. Okay. And so... Uh, there's booths all around the lobbies, and you can just find the booth that you're interested in and talk to the, that team leader. Here's a couple of them. Spiritual formation. You're like, what's that? Is, is maybe God's calling you to lead or host a small group which is, or a life group, which is great. Maybe communications. Did you know that we have volunteers that take uh, photos and, and video at, at both campus and help with our social media and graphics? Or maybe you're like Cheryl, and you, you, you're just, you have the gift of hospitality and welcoming people. Did you know this, that that there's a survey nationally that says this, the, the, the average first time attender when they go to church make a decision to come back within the first 12 minutes of their visit, 12 minutes. That's before they heard the sermon. How, how is that even possible? Because they already felt the sermon of the church before they heard the sermon from a stage. How do they do that? By our hospitality by people loving people. Hey, you don't have a seat, why don't you sit with me? Making people feel welcome, serving people. So maybe you're like Cheryl, you wanna be on our our, uh, connection team. Maybe you have the gift of organization and you wanna help with our administrator, help help us stay organized. Or maybe you're gifted to to sing or, or to play an instrument. I know I'm not, so we may need you. And maybe that's your gift. And so we wanna invite you to exercise that gift or maybe on the production team with audio or video needs or maybe with within Journey Kids and maybe you just love holding babies. There's two types of people in the world. They love holding babies or they love shunning, shunning babies. I don't know which one you are. If you love holding babies, we got a lot of babies. And so um, maybe you're like, no, nah, not, not any babies, but we got toddlers, we got elementary kids, we got teenagers. Maybe you feel called to just mentor and disciple some teenagers. And listen, you don't have to know everything to point somebody to the person that does know everything. And that's kind of the fallacy is that I have to know everything before I can lead people. That's not true. Maybe you want to 
serve on our facilities team. I don't know if you know this, every single Wednesday, we have what's called the Wednesday work crew. Group of people that come here every single Wednesday at both campuses, they help out and, and they, just, they just help take care of projects. They paint stuff, they put stuff together, they fix things. And it's just a group of people that come together, it's their group. Every single Wednesday, it's very casual and it's awesome. They just put their ministry hands to work. As a matter of fact, we have something called iServe once a month where we have a bigger group that comes around both campuses and just takes care of things and beautifies them. Maybe that's more your heart. Uh, maybe it's uh, the cafe. Maybe you're a foodie. Maybe you like making drinks at our popping campus. We have a cafe you can serve there. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, what, what Callie Joy said and what Daniel and Ruth said. They said the same thing that Jesus said, and nobody told them to say this. It's just maybe Jesus was actually right in what he said. Jesus said, you are more blessed when you give than when you receive. Like, what if that were true? Think about that. What if that were actually true, church? Maybe you're lacking peace and joy. Maybe you're lacking something. Do you know that Jesus says, no, no, listen, you're at your best when you give. You actually get filled when you empty your cup. I know it doesn't make sense. Nothing the way of Jesus does. That's why we have faith. You are more blessed when you give. Both of their testimonies said, I didn't think how much I'd be giving, I would be receiving, but I receive more than I ever give. I wanna encourage you, find a way or a place to serve. Maybe you're online and you, you're just physically immobile, or maybe you're, you're, you're here and you're like, man, I don't, have, I don't have the energy of them young whippersnappers. What am I gonna do? Two weeks ago, I had a older gentleman. He, come up, he came up to me and he has some health problems that he's going through. And, and he, just to be here was a big win. And he said, he said, pastor, I am so sorry that I can't do more to help the church. He said, I just want you to know that you're doing a great job. And I just want you to know that God is using you and that the church is advancing. And he just spent a couple minutes just encouraging me. Listen, serving isn't about legalism. If you can't serve for whatever reason, if you just went around to people on the front line and gave a word of encouragement, the church would blow up. Do you know how much opposition the church volunteers get so many people in the church feel entitled and think it's a country club and let volunteers and staff know that. If you just went around and said thank you to the parking team, if you just went around and said, hey, I appreciate what you do, God, if you just, maybe you can't serve, if you just be an encouragement, I'm telling you, the roof would blow up. I mean, it'd just be game over. So I don't know where and how you could serve or encourage. I just, I just know that's what Jesus did and he calls us to do. And when you do it, You'll be blessed, I promise you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for Daniel and Ruth. I thank you for Callie Joy and for Scott and Lauren and Cheryl and Chuck. And, and God, I thank you for all the, so many other fullbacks that nobody's forcing them. They just say, hey, we wanna, we wanna help the church move the ball down the field and we're willing to sacrifice our time, our resources, our opportunities to help other people score a touchdown. God, would you help us, would you unleash an entire church of fullbacks to transform neighborhoods, workplaces, and our communities? And so God, we don't, 
We don't just let Scott or Callie Joy go to Wales or Australia. We send them in the name of Jesus. And so God, you're already ahead of Callie Joy in Australia. You're already there. You've been working there. You've been preparing the people. You've been preparing her. God, I pray, uh, would you do something big and special in and through her? And would Australia never be the same? And so God, we, we thank you. Would, you. would you stir in us where you're calling us to serve? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I got some bonus material for you. Just didn't make my notes. Last fall, I got up here and I shared 25 things that I'm praying God does by the end of 2025. It was a vision that we did. I, one of my prayers was that we would have a mission partner on every inhabitable continent in the world. I don't know if you remember this. And then we went one by one with all our, our mission partners and we realized we're actually only one shy of that goal. The only place we don't have a mission partner is Australia. Isn't that cool? I'm talking to God about the vision I think he's put into my heart. And God's talking to my daughter about fulfilling the vision. Here's the point. When God puts something on your heart to serve, you don't realize it, but you're answering somebody else's prayer. That's what you're doing. You're, it's not your idea to go serve at Food for Life. It's not your idea to do this. God is, somebody is praying to God and God is using you as an answer to that prayer. That's the church. That's what we get to be a part of. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.